Hey everyone, welcome to Flywheel, your number one source for everything cracks, DeFi, and everything in between. If you want to know what's going on in the world on chain, well, you come to the right place. This is DeFi Dave here with Capital K, and we're here to help you harness the power of the Flywheel. And Kit, who do we have on this This week? week we have the one, the only, the Trollmeister, Gwart on. Gordy Gwart. Gwart. Everybody. Gwart, Gwart, Gwart. Yes, yes. <laughs> and if you want to hear everything we had to say about Gwart and this interview, because it was insightful, you got to go to our Substack. We filmed our first ever post-game show. That's right. Where me, Kit, and Sam dive into the episode, our latest thoughts and like what we took out of it. We have all the insights there. So make sure, go to the link below. Check out what we're thinking. Get into our heads. Maybe you agree, maybe you don't agree. Go ahead. Go find that. And if you want to catch up with everything Flywheel, don't forget to subscribe. Let us know what, how you like the whole pod in the comments. Give us a like. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FlywheelFi. Don't forget to join the discussion on Telegram at FlywheelFi. You can follow me on Twitter at DeFiDave. Follow me at 0x capital underscore K. And let's get into harnessing the flywheel on this one, folks. Let's go. Do you hold ETH but don't know what to do with it? Want to earn those juicy liquid staking derivative yields but don't know where to start? Well, Frax ETH is there for you. Frax ETH is Frax's native LSD solution, allowing you to earn boosted yields in multiple ways on your ETH. If you want to get started, go to app.frax.finance and turn your ETH into Frax ETH today. GM, everyone. Today on Flywheel, we have on the one and only Gwart. Gwart, I've been following for a bit. Um, he's really entertaining. I find his commentary hilarious and informative at the same time. And you know when someone's good is when they make you laugh because what they're saying is true. And he just has such a good like pulse on like what's being talked about and like the current matter or what's happening at the moment. So Gwart, 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 Gwart. It is a pleasure to have you on. Welcome to Flywheel. Thank you, guys. I think you've probably oversold my level of expertise, but hopefully we can have a fun conversation. Dude, honestly, no one knows what's going on. That's the first world of crypto. Like, you know what you need to know. Like, not everyone's a dev. Not everyone's a trader. Not everyone's a builder in BD. We all have our little pockets. We all have our little, you know, blinders that we need to see to survive and maybe even thrive in crypto. Um, but yeah, that's my little anecdote to start the podcast, but let's, um, get this started with your Twitter bio. So in the, in it, it says just because beanie babies crashed in value doesn't mean that they weren't important. And I believe this is something that Gary Vaynerchuk said at Davos, like looking back at your tweets, like, can you get into like your, where your bio came from? Am I right about that? And what it means and why it's there? Why, why is it your bio? Yeah, I saw this recently on, um, I guess I saw the clip of him saying this. And, well, it's, yeah, like, um, you know, the thing is, um, I guess the premise was that, you know, just because maybe some NFTs go to zero or, uh, you know, there's kind of like this hyper speculation in NFTs that, well, it shouldn't like discount what we're building. But um, 
I mean, I, I don't know. Like, are we're we're in or were Beanie Babies like the printing press for uh, like the stuffed animal industry? Like, it. I I didn't even know how to interpret that really. Um, I thought it was pretty hilarious at the time, and yeah, like I think that this is somewhat of a common theme. I would say in, in crypto as a whole, like you get uh people who and like uh, honestly i have no like um i don't know much about gary v except really from this clip and i mean i know he's highly involved in um the nft community but like i just imagined uh people hearing this and being like tip like that's actually a really good point and i'm sitting here and i'm like what does that possibly mean like i think that um i think that stuffed animals existed like long before beanie babies and i think they they existed like long after and like yeah it wasn't it was just like it wasn't so clear to me what exactly that meant but so anyways it's it's definitely a troll i don't know i don't know what exactly uh prompted me to put that in there apart from that being like yeah yeah this is like a really good metaphor for like crypto because you can just like say whatever like there's no like you don't have to have any like rational thought behind it you can just like say things and so yeah naturally i was like that's my new twitter bio like uh um, yeah so, so it's yeah, bas- that, that, yeah so go ahead yeah so basically it's something that's just so ridiculous like this statement like beanie babies you know doesn't you know just because they you know crash in value doesn't mean that they were important but like beanie babies compared to like nfts and what nfts are like trying to become like you know just all the, you know, it's NFTs is put up as this thing, like everything that's like a digital, like digital object. Actually, let me, let me roll that back. Um, sorry. Um, I'm gonna take a drink right here. <laughs> I think we're trying to overanalyze this statement. Yeah. That's what it comes down no, to. No, no, hundred percent. I mean, I, like, I don't know. It's such a ridiculous statement. Like about the stuffed animal market. Like I, I have no idea if anybody is like, tracking the stuffed animal market is like oh yeah beanie babies like transformed and like totally disrupted stuffed animals and all of us are like what are you talking about but like i'm sure his supporters like did like that is spot on like you really nailed that yeah and like you know it's just if you embrace the absurd perhaps like that's the best way to like synthesize this like we're definitely it's overthinking so, yeah. it but like for a good reason <laughs> yeah because it's just so it's just so retarded sometimes i swear to god like nfts are just pictures right now i mean like they could become tickets they could become useful they could be used to like you know track supply chains they could be used for like you know actual purpose to the real world if it gets connected to the real world but for now they're just like another more chips in the casino and it's just a game well yeah exactly and like yeah i i actually agree and like that's why the analogy is so funny it's because like dude like i don't know anybody that like cares about stuffed animals like I think Beanie Babies are maybe the only stuffed animal that I could name. Uh, but like NFTs are actually mm-hmm. probably like have a better future than that. So, yeah, I mean, we're definitely like psychoanalyzing this and it's like <laughs> it, there's there's nothing there's nothing to it. It's just like that is there's nothing totally yeah. outrageous. It's just a shit it. post. <laughs> Some things yeah, exactly. can just be a shit post. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's you know, let's move on to the next thing. Like, how did you get into shit posting on Twitter? And like, how do you like, how do you like choose on like what you like commentate on? 
Yeah. Um, well, it's funny. Like, I, I first got into crypto around, like, probably the Pico top of 2018. And uh, I bought Bitcoin at that point. And then I, you know, engaged in a little degeneracy on the side in the ICO boom. Uh, and we then, do a little degeneracy here and there. Yeah, exactly. And then I wasn't really, um, I, I, I was definitely like a day tripper or whatever they, you know, whatever people like to call them. Like I was in and out. And then um, around, I would say like the tail end of DeFi summer, I started getting back into crypto a bit. Uh, I was playing a lot of online poker at the time and I started I started cashing out in Bitcoin and that was like very, well, it was just fortunate timing. It wasn't like, it, it, there was nothing more to it than just sort of being in the right place at the right time. And then, yeah, I got into um, like a little, like may, I would say more like the alt L1 and like the tail end of that uh, period of time. And well, as I'm sure you're aware, like nobody really had time to figure out what any of these things were doing. You could miss a, a great opportunity if you tried to dig into, you know, the Ponzi too hard. So, um, yeah. And then like, I suppose around when the, when the bull market started to kind of dissipate and it was clear that probably start pulling money off the chain. Um, I started to like get a bit more attached to the space and well, I, the community, if that's, you know, one of the terms. And I did feel like, well, I, I started actually writing this sub stack and it, the, the first, like the actually, yeah. And actually this is the reason I started the account is because it was primarily to advertise my sub stack, which in retrospect, I realize people don't really like to read long form. And so I've kind of somewhat given up. Actually, on that's that, how I found I, you was your sub stack. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I figured mm -hmm. like I was wrong and the market was right. Like sub stacks are boring and every, everybody's got a sub stack and everybody thinks that they have like very novel information to disseminate. And so I was like, ah, well, um, but then, yeah, like, so the essence actually ironically was like, I started my first few sub stacks were like specifically about like VCs in the space and like some of the reservations I had about them and they were serious. Like, it's like I was taking this very seriously. And, um, well, naturally, like my Twitter account is very not serious. Uh, at times, <laughs> at times I will, um, uh, like a lot of times I'll ask some kind of like clearly charged questions that I know will get some people or communities riled up. And then, and then I'll just be like, whoa, whoa, like, I'm just the messenger here. Like, I'm just asking the questions, you know, yeah. and uh, I'm just so, quiet. I'm just quiet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I, I, like, I don't have a dog in this fight. Um, so, yeah. And like, I do find a lot of it really fascinating. And I'm not so like, I, I don't have like some very high conviction on anything in particular. Um, maybe, well, I'm very optimistic about the space as a whole, like, and, and I really mean that, but I'm not so sure yet, like what I'm very optimistic on, you know? And I think we're, uh, we're in an interesting point right now with the bear market where, especially at least, you know, insofar as DeFi goes, like we're all coming to like, uh, this realization that like, 
you know, it, it's not immediately clear that people want to use these unless they're being paid to do so. And so like, we're having to sort of rework, uh, like what, what we're really doing. And so, um, yeah, like I'm mainly just a sideline heckler. I don't have like very strong, <laughs> you know, opinions on a whole lot. And like, I have very malleable opinions too. Like I wouldn't say that there's anything that I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. Like this is, definitely what I believe in. And like, I'm unwilling to change. I think um, I have been like sort of a maybe maybe first and foremost, like ironically, like a Bitcoiner through, uh, through and through, like at least um, like, I'm I'm not at all interested really in the, the Bitcoin community, like, and I don't spend time in the Bitcoin community. But I'm also sort of like i feel that bitcoin is kind of going to do its thing and well like i don't need to you know provide input so much on that so i suppose that's like one of my like belief sets but like i'm not embedded in like the bitcoin maxi community by any means you know like that's not um i wouldn't say that but that's like my my focus but so yeah i noticed that you like pick on like narratives like whatever like people are like hot on or whatever like the threaders are trending on and coming out with whether it's uh restaking with eye game layer or lsds this and that um and like yeah. for me personally like i got uh, yeah i got lsd pilled in the summer um and this was like extra like talking to a few people in the frax community i'm just like and it was just kind of like you know outside the curve ecosystem like how is frax going to support itself and the only yeah. thing that i could think of was like frax ETH and like what they were building there. I'm just like, that's when I got like, that's when I had my aha moment. And then like everybody else had their aha moment after DJ Spartan tweeted about rocket pool and coin. Um, and so I'm curious, like what your thoughts on, on like the whole LSD narrative and also the eigenlayer narrative, uh, which is like yeah. another, like it's a derivative quite <laughs> literally of the LSD narrative. Cause at the end of the day, it's the risk-free rate of DeFi and crypto is the ETH LSD, like the, the whole validator rate. And so like, what are your thoughts on it? Like, what do you like about it? And like, what do you think people are just like too, or what do you not like about it? And people are just, like, kind of like being too optimistic about it. Yeah. Um, well, I, I wrote about this. I don't know that it was so coherent, but I did write about this. Um, I, I find LSDs to be like really quite fascinating. Like, from from the highest level, it's like sort of a bizarre premise in a sense. Like um, ETH's staking, like ETH's design is that there is, and I'm, I'm obviously really simplifying this, but ETH's design is such that you are incentivized to ascribe some illiquidity to your ETH. Um, and in return, you get some nominal yield, you know, and in theory, I suppose just in this equation specifically, the the yield you receive is more or less equivalent to the opportunity cost of staking that ETH. And so like this is the I assume most listeners understand this and like this is not so revelatory right now. I think that um, the interesting thing about LSDs is it's like it's very much being able to have your cake and eat it too in the sense that you are in theory 
locking up this ETH, but you immediately get a receipt for doing so, with which you can go and engage in whatever other degeneracy that you want, or, uh, you know, maybe less degenerate behavior as well. I'm, I'm, I'm not suggesting like any, you know, archetype of, of LST users, but I sort of came <laughs> to the, <laughs> I sort of came to the, I'm, like, I'm, go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just laughing at the same, the degeneracy of LST users. It's like that we chose that as our acronym. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, I sort of came to the conclusion that like the rational thing to do with your ETH is to stake it and to receive an LSD. And I think that, yeah, well, so I'm not going to be like the biggest uh, spokesman for home validating. <laughs> so like, you know, I think this will be somewhat contentious amongst the people who feel very strongly about that. And well, I'm willing to accept the backlash. But uh, I think that if you can immediately like liquefy your ETH, you should essentially always do this. And my rationale is sort of what, what it comes down to in my mind. And I'm just using like Lido as an example here. Um, the function that I view it as is like, you know, Lido takes 10% of rewards. And so if I go to Lido with, with 10 ETH and I receive 10 staked ETH, in my mind, what I'm like, the, the purest equation is 10% uh, of those, let, let's like make some kind of like arbitrarily high, uh, like protocol stake and rewards just for the sake of this equation. Let's say that ETH is 10%. Um, okay, so at the end of a year, I have one ETH, right? Okay, so in my mind, the function is, uh, can I earn 0.1 ETH doing whatever I do in DeFi? Uh, I think the short answer to that to be, should be yes. I think the ability to have that Ethereum liquid is, well, you should describe like some very high percentage of that realistically. Um, I think the counter argument to this is, well, you, you know, you take on counterparty risk, you take on um, smart contract risk. If you go down that route, it, like in once again, like this is just how I view this, but if you kind of start to go down that route, you have to also now ascribe risk to, okay, do you know how to run your own validator at home? Do you know the bandwidth requirements? Do you know how to you know, prevent inactivity leaks, um, any type of slashing events? And like, I think realistically, I mean, I, I would consider myself like, well, actually, I wouldn't consider myself that tech savvy, to be honest, but I would consider myself like, you know, relatively um, tech savvy, like, at least in like, working on the working with the chain let's put it that way and i don't know that i want to take on that risk and you know like i mean your internet goes out and I'm, I'm giving like sort of petty examples here but i guess my only point is saying that like i think the people who argue for self-validating like if you are going to if you're going to take on like the okay the smart contract risk and the risk of the validators on the other side you know of the umbrella validators under Lido or Frax or whoever it may be, uh, you also have to now take into account, you know, you doing it yourself. So um, I think, you mm -hmm. know, the, the concept is quite, it's quite interesting, like really, because in a sense, like kind of coming back to what I was saying initially, it's like, if you can, if you can stake this and immediately also receive a liquid version back and there's, 
a tremendous amount of liquidity for this uh, staking derivative, I start to understand, and, and I don't want to like push any you know angles here, like I'm just a fence straddler, uh, but the the way I see it is I, I, I start to understand why there could be like very high returns to scale with staking protocols and why mm. um, a single staking protocol in my mind, granted, once again, this is not like the Ethereum consensus view here, but in my mind, I'm sitting here and I'm saying um, what I am really concerned about once I put my ETH in that liquid staking derivative is can I get the nominal amount of that ETH on the open market? Um, either can I convert it through a curve pool or Uniswap for that amount, or can I quickly convert that to fiat? And so I, it, it's quite yeah. interesting. I think, you know, there's, I would say that it, it renders the opportunity cost um, essentially zero. And I think you could make, you know, a compelling argument that it, it's actually like, a strictly dominated strategy, if you will, um, to stake your ETH and, and receive yeah. LSD. So you're basically talking about like what a rational economic actor will do with their ETH. There's this op, you know, proof of stake, it's out. There's this opportunity to earn yield on your ETH. And there's two options. You can either, you know, it's like a whole A-B test. You can either home stake and like take care of thing, everything yourself and get all that yield yourself. But you have to worry about like bandwidth requirements. You have to worry about like, keeping it all, all this other stuff, or you can choose an LSD. Most people would not want to choose the home staking requirements. They would choose the LSD. Now, okay, we decided like majority of people are going to be LSDs. Now it's a matter with LSDs of which one to choose. And there's all these different options. There's like Coinbase, ETH, there's Frax, ETH, Lido, Rocket Pool, this and that. And people have, you know, different things they care about. Some people just want the highest yield. And when they want the highest yield, they go to Frax, ETH, because that's where it is. <laughs> or the yeah, plug, you know, you know, or they want to be around like the most, you know, maybe they just like trust Coinbase and like they're like, you know, they're they're not really sure about like life like on chain and they're like coin, you know, like oh, so they go to like Coinbase and put it in that because people just trust Coinbase and like it's blah blah blah. Or they're de decentralization maxis and they like subscribe to like the most decentralized above all else, and so they go to like Rocket Pool. So. Uh, I want to get your take on like, what is like the rational economic choice when it comes to choosing your LSD? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I really don't know. And I think that like post Shanghai will have like a better idea about a lot of this. Like, um, you know, I, it's quite interesting, I think actually. And there's something else that I think has come up with this that I found like, it's it's very um it's given me a lot of fodder to tweet about uh you know i think like these like the rocket pool people are like very passionate and i think that they have um in many ways like well they're like so uh i, I they're sort of endearing to me at this point because they're so like aggro about <laughs> uh you know their their uh protocol i'm like well like i kind of respect that actually um and then I really I'm not so familiar with with Frax ETH to be honest. I know like some of the swell guys. Like um, I generally support like you know this being an open market construct. I think what I have seen, which I found quite interesting, is I think Lido 
is a very good case study on um, where we are at right now in crypto in terms of incentives and whether or not we really ascribe to this pure play incentive driven you know the purest iteration of free market capitalism or are we going to like take sort of a um a mission driven view and a lot of what i've seen there's been i mean i'm sure you guys are aware there has been a good bit of pushback on lido you know really capturing a large amount of of the stake ETH and you know, it's quite interesting. Like in a yeah. sense, I'm I'm sitting here and I'm like, you know, I understand like this, you know, I, I understand the concerns that this is potentially a centralizing force in many ways. I also, on the other hand, I'm like, you know, what we have here is is a company essentially. Like I think I, I don't have any reservations about calling Lido a company. Um, they their shareholders are like relatively small and and um, close, I would say, as a team. And they saw a need in the market. Um, They executed on that, like, at least in terms of crypto standards, they executed excellently, you know, but but they Mm -hmm. have a great UI, they have a great UX. And what Lido saw was the power of sort of what I was referring to before, like these very strong network effects. And they realized if we can integrate this into DeFi, um, and really push early to capture a lot of this. There are some real exponential um, like possibilities to garner a, a, a large portion of the stake. And so it's very interesting to me. Like in one sense, I understand like the reservations of the ETH community. And the other, on the other hand, I'm like, you know, if we really are going to ascribe to like this incentive-based, like you know, pure play capitalism, like this should be well within the bounds of that. You know, Lido, they crushed it. Like, that's what they did. And 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 I'm like, you know, like I said, like, I don't have a dog in this fight. Like, I'm kind of, you know, sitting on the sidelines. So any, you know, I think there are, there are certainly opportunities for other, you know, projects and protocols to, to understand how they can um, create synergies with, with their own. Like, so I, I would, I don't know, honestly, like I said, I'm not so very familiar with Fraxith, but I assume that's like sort of the premise. And like, I think there will be mm-hmm. competition, but um, like, it's funny. Like I, uh, I've in this, in this like bizarre sense, I've almost been like a bit sympathetic towards, towards Lido, like for, for no other reason than yeah. like, yo, like these guys crushed it. And like, if you know, and now coming like higher level in a sense, like in, in this incentive based thinking, it's like, you know, if, if you didn't want this to happen like this, then you shouldn't have like coded Ethereum like that. Like, you know, like um, that's like a very simplistic mm. view, but like, you know, this is what happens when we allow like a network and you either follow the rules or you don't. And like, they followed the rules from what I can tell, like they played fair. And I think that, you know, other applications are playing catch up, but, uh, yeah, I, I think it's just like we have to see this from kind of like both angles here. Yeah, you make a really good point, and it reminds me. It, two things I have two things I have to say. I remember seeing years ago. I think it was like 2013 or 2014. Something happened with the BTC miners where like one pool got 51 percent of the stake. I mean, one like miner. Yeah, and they stake. got like and they voluntarily. Out of, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, they got heckled. Like they socially like got 
you know, like you said, socially heckled out of like that stake and like they don't even like, yeah, you know, ex- exist anymore. I mean, of their hash rate. That's so funny. I think in like proof of stake terms out, but yeah, hash rate. But now it's like, you know, we coded like, you know, we created the field with certain incentives. Like you said, Lido executed brilliantly. They had a great UI, which is something rare in crypto. And, you know, they have this huge stake and it's only getting bigger. It's only getting bigger by the day. And it's funny. The second thing I was going to say was I see proposals in both the Lido governance and Rocket Pool oh, governance <laughs> about like we're going to self-limit. Oh, but do you want so ridiculous about this? So like the Rocket Pool people are trying to dunk on the Lido people. And like because the Lido people like voted not to self-limit themselves, which is like the economically rational yeah. thing to do. Duh. But the Rocket Pool people, they did it when they only had 1.5K votes. Like 1500 votes that was it that's when they chose to dunk on them not like right when they started like it'd be one thing if they like did it when it was like near the end of the vote and it was like about to pass it's like okay like you know this is a w for decentralization maxis but like they just want to dunk at them as soon as possible it wasn't about like decentralized like look at us because they didn't even prove themselves yet. So yeah. it was like it was more about like trying to like own the competition and like i'm just like that's kind of that's kind of sad in my opinion like and i can see how there you had this like one tweet of like, if you're stranded on the island, just say Lido yeah, and fun. Rocket Pool will come to the rescue. Like, I was like, but it's like kind of like that. Like, I kind of consider like, you know, I I really respect what Rocket Pool's doing. Like, they've, you know, I think we need to have balance in terms of like options and they're like the decentralized options. But like, some of the people in the Rocket Pool community are like the BTC maxis of the ETH community. It seems like. Yeah, no, definitely. And like, if anything, oh. just because I like support maximum chaos, like. Whenever they get like really uppity, I'm like, I kind of like that. Like, I, li- I like, I like your spirit. Like, I don't know, I don't know what's gonna happen. And frankly, I like, I don't care that much. But like, I kind of respect it. And like, I'm mm-hmm. friends with some of the swell people. Like, I mean, you know, I, this is gonna play out how it plays out. Like, that's not like such a revelatory thing to say. But I think we'll see. But I, mm-hmm. I have found it, you know, a bit interesting to kind of watch these dynamics and see kind of what happens and. Yeah, I, I, you know, it yeah. wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise What's me. What's swell, if, by the way? Um, I don't know. It's another like staking derivative. <laughs> I mean, I'm not like so familiar. No, with I didn't even heard of it. Yeah. 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 Oh, but uh, what are you gonna say? I cut you off. There. No, no. Um, like I, I, I was going to uh, wait. Now you're like having me double check. Yes. Well, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. They're another staking derivative. I'm friends with them, so like I support them. But, but for, but like. I don't support them. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, uh, whatever. Like, I don't have any, I don't have any allegiance here. You're an um, agent of maximum chaos. That's what Gord is yeah, all yeah. about. Yeah. Um, but no, like, I, I really don't know. Like I could see, I could see like, you know, there being uh, a couple applications or protocols with like a very large amount of the stake. And then some, you know, it's interesting. Like there are, I do think, and like, this is just like, total speculation here, but I do think there are ways that specific applications can uh, incentivize users to use their liquid staking derivatives. And, you know, the thing about liquid staking derivatives, which I didn't really mention before, but like this is, well, by, from what I see, like largely in DeFi as a whole, like this is one of the most fundamentally lucrative endeavors insofar as uh, almost everybody will choose, I think, 
to stake and it's like a constant revenue stream like if you can provide a, a liquid staking service then that is like an ongoing um whatever percent you take you know whatever nominal percent and i do think this mm -hmm. will like m not dissimilar to bitcoin actually this will ultimately converge on <clears throat> zero which is good for the end user you know and like i guess lido is 10 percent right now over the long run i mean competition will drive this down but like this will be mm -hmm. like it's this is another reason that i think this is quite interesting like this is one of the first uh, applications where i'm like this is a true recurring revenue stream it's just like a slight arbitrage between liquid staking and 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 you know validating having the validator set yeah and you want to hear how fraxith works because i feel like you would really yeah. fuck with fraxith because like everything yeah, you're yeah, describing is just like Show it me. sets up seeing with it Show. all right here i go uh here i go shilling again <laughs> so fraxith um so what frax realized before any other LSD that, you know, what LSDs are, they're ETH peg stablecoins at its like most basic form. It's just a stablecoin yeah. pegged to ETH. So they constructed their system that way. So Frax ETH is a two token system. They have Frax ETH, which is the equivalent of WETH, and I call it Chad WETH. And they have S Frax ETH, which is the actual <laughs> vault where you stake your Frax ETH and earn the yield. So Frax, like you convert your ETH to Frax ETH. And you stake it in the S-Fraxeth vault. So all Fraxeth is in validators as we speak, but not all Fraxeth are in the S-Fraxeth vault. So you might ask, where's the other Fraxeth? Well, it's in the curve pool. And who has the most convex power? It's Frax. And who has mastered that whole ecosystem with bone incentives and just like has the whole ecosystem on lock? It's Frax. And so you have the Fraxeth ETH curve pool where Frax is directing incentives to use with their voting power, with their vote incentives, this and that. And they're bet they're what they're able to do better than anyone is to maintain that peg. Kit every week on Frax Check checks that Frax ETH peg and it's always like 0. 0.9996 or some shit like that. It is perfect. You cannot so you talk about like redeeming. If you want to like switch out, there's no better place to do it for any LSD than Frax ETH. And on top of that, Frax has this whole ecosystem, like, you know, how Frax has kind of imagined it is like Frax, Fraxland, Frax, well, you know, they build all these different primitives and people are like, oh, they're building too much, they're over the place. It's like, no, they're all parts to the same thing. All the primitives of the Frax ecosystem complement and supplement each other. So what they have right now is they have an S Frax ETH pool in Fraxland. And you can go and actually like lever up on your Frax ETH if you want. And there's all these different yield strategies that I know Kit's going to like, I'm sure you've done some research and he's going to actually like have some more programs in the future on, on Flywheel about that, that you can do with Frax ETH, like with S Frax ETH, with Frax ETH. And there's just going to be more coming out. So Frax... Wow. Sorry. I didn't know you're that excited, Gorn. Exit. <laughs> Yo, that that was actually perfect timing. That was actually perfect. That was actually perfect timing right there. Um and so but yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> he's got that dog in him. He got real excited about it. And so yeah, so like you know, Sorry about they, that. Yeah, so yeah, that's like the frac seed system. Like this is like phase one of it. And right now, like so the biggest critique of like the frac seed system is, you know. It's phase one. Like right now, the Frax ETH team runs the validators. They have actually the highest validator score out of like all the LSDs at like 
99% like of all it. Cause like they're just getting off the ground. They want to make sure it's smooth and like, they're going to go on this path of like decentralization over time, like other protocols, like synthetics and other ones have done. And so with Fraxteeth, like once Shanghai comes out, um, they're going to like allow people to bond via Fraxland to run their own validators, but they want to, you know, they care about like security as you know the highest priority. So it's on the roadmap and like, it's there, it's coming, um, but it just makes more sense to do that after Shanghai when withdrawals are available. So that's Fraxeth. That's my show. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to probably like read about this. There's a lot of information at once. <laughs> I'm more of a reporter, so mm-hmm. yeah, I'll report that for sure. And yeah, like I'm, yeah. I'm bullish, like I'm bullish everything. Yeah. So. I don't know how what well, you can take away from that. <laughs> bullish everything. It's I, had the I, I, highest. I'm bullish competition. It's had the highest. I am. Yeah. I'm both. Yeah. Okay. Bullish competition. Yeah. It's had the highest yields out of all of them. Um, and so, yeah, it's been, it's been fun to uh, like be, see, ride that um, wave for a bit. Um, I recommend watching our, everything you need to know about um, Fraxith interview with Jack um, yeah, that's like, what I need he, to watch. Yeah, he's just like, co- it's so funny. He's just like college kid at UCLA. And he um, he's I think he's about to graduate or he has like one year left or something. But um, the best part is at the end of the interview, <laughs> we asked him, so we always do a lightning round and we asked him if he had any hobbies. And he was like, hobbies? I don't have hobbies. Like hobbies are for like, those are weird. <laughs> yeah, what do you mean? <laughs> and I'm just like, wow, we have the right one. We, we have the perfect autist right here. Let's go. <laughs> But yeah, Gort, I actually wanted to ask you, like, um, you're a agent of mass chaos and you don't really have a dog in a fight, but you must have a dog in crypto that you're backing, right? Like you must have some bags. Like, can we talk about one or two items in your bags? Like, I, I, I want to hear your thoughts on things that you do have a dog in. Um, I hold Bitcoin and I hold Ethereum. Those are like very lame <laughs> answers. I'm really, you know, like it's not that I have like some loud voice or um, it's not like I think that I could, you know, influence people. I just, it's not like, you know, it's really not even that interesting to me to like discuss. Like I'd much rather just kind of like troll. And it, ironically, like a lot of the times I'm flooding my own bags. Like, uh, so maybe that's a hint, right? <laughs> you know, I, I don't have like, um, yeah, it's just, it's not like something that I'm really interested in and like tweeting about. I'd much rather talk about like just some, you know, crypto economics theory that's just totally made up and, you know, people run with, and I'm like, yeah, like this is, you know, it's a lot, it was a lot funnier to me to kind of troll about like well and and, you know to be fair like a lot of times i am trolling about certain protocols like as like you were asking like as of late i've been like very very uh like active trolling about eigenlayer which you know i don't understand at all like uh, beyond like surface layer so (laughs) naturally i feel like very compelled to voice my opinion about it um but like yeah as a general statement i'm not like one to really talk that much about my bags and um I will, I will say that mm-hmm. like during, I held like a lot of, like I was degenning as hard as the rest of you guys, like in, you know, after DeFi summer, I really like the Altel ones uh, 
that was like my like actual grind time. But at, like I said, I wasn't so focused on what any of this stuff did. And now that the bear markets come around, I'm like, oh, maybe I should take a look at this, you know? Yeah, now's the time. And I want to get to Eigenlayer now because that has been the topic of discussion. I've even written about it um, <laughs> like a week or two ago <laughs> because it's so inter- like I because I think it takes a little bit to like understand because this is a concept of decentralizing trust. It's like, what the fuck do you mean decentralizing trust? Like, and what, what is that? And so like um, I like grew to understand it, but like what are I want to hear like your thoughts on it. Like you saw Eigenlayer, like why is, has it been your point of trolling so much? Um, yeah, sorry. Um, like, you know, I, I really view it in a sense as like, um, the, it's sort of to me, like the fragmentation of consensus, like, and it's taking, you know, this security of ETH and, and, you know, allowing it to be used to so-called, you know, secure other chains. And, I think that mm-hmm. the natural reaction for a lot of people in the community is just to be like immediately hyper bullish. Like this is um, this is something that like so very obviously. Uh, oh, sorry. I can I can tell the dogs are bullish. Yeah, yeah. You really yeah. got them going. Yeah, but to that point, I want to get into eigenlayer because that's something you that it's been a point of trolling for you. And it's been a large topic of discussion on crypto Twitter. Very large, actually. And I want to get, like, what do you think of Eigenlayer? Like, why is it your point of trolling? Like, why is it, you know, part of your next round of chaos or current round of chaos, I, I should say? Yeah, um, I find, like, the, the premise is quite interesting. Um, using ETH to secure you know, other chains or protocols. Uh, I've, I view it like a bit as like what I have called now, like fragmenting of consensus. It's like, you know, taking these set of rules that we have on Ethereum and now ascribing them to some other blockchain really. And I think that like, Mm -hmm. I'm using that word specifically. Um, And then maybe adding a couple like additional slashing conditions or something like, like I said, I really like, I'm, I'm not an expert on this. So I'm just like theorizing. And this is just from what I can tell. And, you know, I think, oh, you're right. That's is, a, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think like, it's interesting. I have some, I have some like reservations about, well, two things I would say, first off, like this kind of, perpetual desire for yield and i think that DeFi has been well it's not it's not great for like um it's really it's really taught people that like everything should you should deserve yield and let's say that like eth staking yield comes down because there's a very large number of people staking it's like well like you deserve more yield you know and um I, I really don't know the ramifications of this yet, to be honest. I suspect there will be some sort of interesting, uh, like, incentive misalignments. And I think, you know, generally I've, I view blockchains as being these 
like systems of rules, like most simply. And you sort of ascribe to those rules or you don't. And uh, that, and if, and if you don't, you go and, well, go build another blockchain or you build an app chain or whatever it is. And well, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really not sure about like what the, uh, what the conclusion of this looks like. I think it's fascinating. Uh, I, I don't have like a tremendous amount of insight apart from like, whenever I see crypto Twitter get like hyper bullish on an idea, my, my gut reaction is like, okay, like hey, what's going on here? And, you know, I think that, What's the catch? It, yeah. And I don't say this, like, I don't say this like in a, in a negative way, but I do see the Ethereum community, mm-hmm. especially like being hyper bullish and, uh, constantly kind of agreeing and, you know, oh yeah, like so obvious, like we should restake, like, uh, I'm, maybe I'm not articulating this so very well, but like I would say, like you know, you look at Bitcoin and you see this kind of sclerotic, you know, growth and like consensus that is very, um, it's like contentious and like people seem to disagree a lot on the most, you know, trivial things. Like to us, like you know, they'll they'll take two years to decide if you can like send Bitcoin to a wallet. You know what I mean, like any any upgrades or slight um changes to the code are deliberated for for years at a time and i think you know ethereum is very much the response to this it's you know the move fast break things and i think that's been ethereum's you know that has been the appeal and like all of all of the fun games we've been able to play uh but yeah i you know i i don't right. know yeah okay, we definitely I, just have broken some things yeah, exactly. Exactly. Move fast, break things, and then like keep breaking. Like, why not? You know, like no one said we had to stop breaking things. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I suppose like one of the ideas is this kind of like would, you know, nullify the need for alt for alt L1s and I, I, maybe in a sense, even like L2s. I'm not I'm not so very sure. I think maybe that may have more to do with you know, pure scaling and this may be more singular purpose blockchains, but, um, yeah, it's quite interesting. I'm, I'm excited to see how it goes down and like, I'm here for whatever, you know, chaos ensues. From, From what I'm hearing from you is people are too fast to, you know, hop on the hype train and like what everyone's like raving about, like, Oh, like I can layer restaking. But they don't consider the unintended consequences that are going to come about through restaking. Like this is like you know very new. It's still experiment. It hasn't even launched yet. And you know I'm a huge fan of Eigenlayer. I like see a bunch of ways where Frax can actually integrate Eigenlayer on multiple levels potentially. But I'm also not blind to the fact of you know the risks that could come with Eigenlayer. Like you know what if there's like you know some unintended bug in the smart contracts or like this and that. And I think like what you're trolling, what you're mainly trolling is like the hype train that everyone's on. And it's kind of like, oh, this is going to like take Ethereum to the next level. Like, oh, like there's going to be no need for other alt ones. Like this, this is the end all be all. But there's no such thing as an end all be all. Like there's always going to be like some other level, some other problem that people are going to like 
have to like solve. And like, this always happens. This always happens. Humans are fallible. And it's going to be like something that will like come about. Hell, there's probably going to be something. I saw this like other interesting tweet the other day. Like there's going to be some hybrid thing between like, you know, eigenlayer and like maybe like validators that aren't part of eigenlayer. And like, there's some like hybrid system. I wish I saw the tweet because I'm definitely budging it. But you're going to see definitely like hybrid systems come out of Eigenlayer. I'm sure like, Eigen, and also Eigenlayer, I'm sure won't be the only restaking solution that comes out because that never happens. Um, and so, yeah, what I'm basically trying to say is like your trolling has a purpose and a point and keep continuing to do your chaos because people don't consider the unintended consequences. Yeah, I mean, that's probably more like profound than I would even consider it. Like, I don't know that I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> executing sat satire, you know, at the highest level, but um, yeah, and, talk and about like an I unintended said, consequence. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I try to be like, like the thing is, like, I don't have, you know, I don't consider myself like some high, like very technical or even exceptionally analytical like investor by any means. I think maybe the one. The, like the one um, strength I have is I'm I'm I I don't like uh, FOMO and I'm pretty you know I try to be pretty even killed about these things and you know I, I don't know what's going to come of this I think I think it's interesting I'm not you know it it does bring up some bigger concepts in my mind like you know if like you can just continue to restake and add these you know, slashing conditions, it, it really is like you're levering up on an agreement of rules. And I wrote this like long tweet thread that mm. was like a total troll about Eigenlayer. And like, maybe, I mean, it. I have no idea whether or not it's like relevant at all. But I think that, yeah, it. it's interesting for sure. And I think that, you know, personally, well, this is a little bit of a segue, but I, I mean, I see app chains being um, like, to me, it makes sense. I'm not saying it, it's going to happen. And I think there are some like, you know, in a, like composability and atomicity and some of these like words that the, the technical people use um, as to why like they may not be so feasible, but from like, a, from like this incentive based thinking, like to me, it makes like, it makes very logical sense that applications would want a bigger piece of the pie, you know, and like businesses mm -hmm. tend to try to continue to capture larger and larger pieces. Like this is how they stay alive. Like this isn't, um, we're not doing something like so very novel that the laws of economics or finance don't apply, you know? And yeah, I think it'll be quite interesting. Like, I think like Eigenlayer is, is, a part of this i think that l2s and and app chains in general are part of this like when these applications or chains are able to garner a large mm. sticky user base that um may come directly to that chain for a certain application or or protocol and you know we're already seeing this to some extent with arbitrum and gmx and vesta and these like sort of l2 specific applications like i'm not you know i don't 
have so such strong feelings about like whether the app chain thesis is is right or wrong. But like when I hear the Cosmos guys talk about this, I'm like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. You know, like that seems pretty logical. Um, hmm. So I don't know. Like it, it, it will be very interesting to see. And like, you know, this is to me like this is all innovation. This is all technology. And the reason I say that is because at times that isn't so reconcilable with like some ideas in crypto, which may be ossification and immutability. And I think that in, in a lot of ways, mm. uh, I'm quite, I'm quite bullish if only because I think that people will, they'll just continue to move fast and break things like, and like, why wouldn't we try an L3? Like, why wouldn't we try restaking 12 times? Like, you know what I mean? Like I deserve, that. <laughs> you know? So, um, I deserve that yield. Yeah. I deserve exactly. a piece of the pie. I deserve that yeah, real estate. Yeah. yeah. Like that's kind of how I view it. And like, I do think that like my, my general outlook probably doesn't please any specific set of, you know, communities. Like I have like, very disparate thoughts on a lot of this stuff. Or like on, on one hand, be like, yeah, that sounds right. And then, you know, I may make uh, some people mad about like what I think or what I say, but you know, I'm, I view this like fundamentally, I think that that would be what like to take away from this. I think this is technology and like the way that technology stays alive is by continuing to innovate, you know? And it's not yeah. like Android releases like the best camera and Apple's like, well, good game. Like, you know, it, it was fun playing and we have to give up now. <laughs> it's, like it's they over. Go make, Pack yeah, it up. Exactly. Like they go and try to make a better camera. And like, I think this is also in many ways how I view a lot of applications in deep and especially in DeFi, which I think is kind of interesting. Like, you know, this idea of immutability and ossification and like sort of um, really trying to remove humans from the equation and i'm like well like you know you guys are trying to capture the market you guys are trying to continue to innovate and stay abreast of you know whatever type of innovations are coming about and like the way you do that is like you keep changing like it's not like it, you're you you keep breaking you don't stop breaking because like there's some ethos involved at least at least i would say that from the application layer so that was a bit of a digression yeah, but i think at the no, no, uh, as as very well said. Um, I think at the end of the day, you know, people like to call us like pioneers to a new land. And you know what like pioneers do? They go settle and they want real estate. You know what the closest thing to real estate is? Owning your own blocks and like owning, <laughs> owning your own chain. And that's why everybody wants metaverse. Yeah, the next big thing, metaverse real estate. Like I'm about to like buy a cruise liner for 500 ETH. Let's go. Call it the Doge liner. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, like at the end of the day, like everybody wants like their own piece of the, the pie and like, you know, that's why, and like, if you look at VCs, like there's so many L1s, but yet they keep investing in L1s because that is yeah. how, still like how they view it. Like, Hey, like might as well, like, you know, let's do it again. Let's own the piece of the pie again. of like, we'll try it this way with like a different language or like, Oh, we'll try it this way. Like faster transaction speed, bring it back to 2018. Like this, I mean, we've heard it over and over again. So like, I mean, you yeah. play the L1 game. Like, what is your take on like VCs just keep going with these L1s? Now you have like fucking Aptos and Sue and whatnot. 
Yeah, like uh, this has been like maybe one of my bigger points of contention really with the direction that crypto has gone, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I when I first got into crypto, I, I wasn't doing any type of like research and I was very much just like, oh, that's kind of interesting. But I think one thing that kind of resonated was or, or I thought was I thought was actually sort of interesting was the ability for retail to get in on the ground floor of some business or, you know, and, and crypto enabled that. And the ICO craze was, yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty much all rugs, but we all got in to the rugs at the same time. And there's something like, I think, profound mm-hmm. about that. And, you know, I, I think um, it's interesting, like post ICO, you know, it, there have been regulatory constraints. And like, I think we need to be understanding of that to some extent, like, you know, like founders can't really do launches, at least in the capacity that we may view as most fair or you know, most mission aligned. But um, I have had a lot of reservations about like some of the direction that I've seen VCs go in this space. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's funny, like I don't fault VCs, like at least no, like I don't, I don't fault any individual VCs and like this is them maximizing their own utility as well. Like if they can get seed rounds earlier than retail like why shouldn't they you know what i mean but it it does i think start to bring into question like you know what are we doing here like at at what point can we just Mm. sort of admit that this is you know i think if if we are trying to mitigate the ability for uh you know, privileged actors in these systems to have advantages, then I think that VCs have done like, uh, have done a good job of like sort of creating moats that retail may not have access to. And I've been, you know, I've been quite critical. I think that especially I've been sort of, it maybe even like, I find the most egregious being VCs who invest in the equity side of the team and then also have some type of dual token warrant or, or equity. I mean, I think that is like fundamentally flawed from, from an ideological standpoint, like granted, like, you know, once again, like I'm, I'm, I don't have like some, you know, I, I suppose if you can do it, you can do it. But I think that, like, you know, I look at something like Uniswap, and I'm, I've crit- critiqued this a lot. But like, you know, and I apologize in advance. And I'm using <laughs> I'm using Uniswap just as an example here. And this can just this could probably be extrapolated to a lot of the bigger DeFi protocols now. But you know, I tweeted this. I said, I don't know that. Uniswap holders, uni holders, or the Uniswap DAO has a very good idea as to how Uniswap intends to make money over the long run. I mean, 
this is a business that fundamentally needs to make money. I I do think that Paradigm and A16Z and the institutional investors have a pretty good idea. And I think that th- this kind of like governance and DAO, I think it's like, you know, retail are very impressionable and they want to be in on the ground floor of the rails of finance, you know? And I think that I look at this and I think, you know, Paradigm and Unis- uh, Paradigm and A16D just thrust $90 million into like a Series B or something. And, you know, they they aren't mm-hmm. doing that to fund public goods. Like, you know, maybe what ends up getting built is this is another thing I told about quite a bit, this public goods idea. But maybe maybe like I can accept that like uh, what ends up getting built is like some iteration of a public good, if you will. But, you know, they they have investment committees like they have certain IRRs that they intend to achieve. Like they're not doing this to create some like open free uh, permissionless and uh, decentralized application. Now, ideally, the long run of this is exactly that. And and I'm not um, I'm willing to accept that that it, these may converge on like much much more fair systems, but I think when I see you know equity investments in teams that you know and this is the other thing it's like Uniswap the DAO doesn't have a tremendous amount of influence on what code is released. You know what I mean? It's like um, they may be able to direct how that code is used after it's launched. But in terms of who is writing the code and writing the incentive structures in off the rip, um, it's Uniswap Labs. I'm really like harping on that. <laughs> I'm harping on this. But, you know, I think it's, it, it is an interesting case study because like, you know, Uniswap consistently does 60 or 70% of the volume and fees that the Ethereum protocol does in a day. So I, it, you know, I, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not suggesting that an application is necessarily representative of a blockchain as a whole, but like this is about as good as it gets in terms of like where the community's mind is at. And, you know, Uniswap was initially funded by a grant from the Ethereum Foundation. And I just see this creep whereby VCs and large pools of capital see that these things could be extremely lucrative. They're not right now, but they could be. And yeah, I have a lot of reservations about that. Like, and it it has turned me away to it, it, at least to some extent um, with, with with a lot of like sort of the narratives I see. Sorry, uh, but uh, also I didn't yeah, no, really you, answer. You so, a... go ahead. Uh, oh no, no, I think you bring up like a really great point. Like, you know, you have these token holders that exist, and even after the token is released and released for a while, Uniswap goes and raises equity around that the token holders don't, you know, they don't really see anything of because it's in like a company, it's not in the protocol. It's a company behind Uniswap Labs. You bring up another really good point that I haven't even thought of before that like, yes, they, the people like the token holders can direct where the code goes, but they don't direct like how, like what, I guess, like what they code. And I'm not even sure if like, any protocol, like ha- any token holder protocol can do that or like has the power to do that. I feel like 
the teams themselves decide like where to go this and that but i see your point of like misaligned incentives and this has been like a major theme of this entire podcast of like okay like what are we actually building what are we actually building towards like are we playing this game of decentralized towards decentralization or are we playing decentralized theater whether it's towards like you know self-limiting ourselves with our like eat stakes but like that kind of like puts into question of this like free market print principles or it kind of or you're talking about here like okay like we have this token but we're raising equity around like what is the uniswap team incentivized to do um you, yeah. you bring up like you're trolling and your points bring up a lot of important questions and i don't think like your purpose is to have an answer because you're an agent of chaos. That's not your point. No, no, I don't. It's like just it. to like I get the very, people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't. But but with your chaos, you ask the right questions. And that's why we're here. And that's why we're on Flywheel Pod. Because I, I don't have the answers. I'm just, you know, I'm just the messenger. You know, I'm just, I, I can like articulate what you're saying in a different way. But like, hell, I'm not that smart. I'm just like here, like listening. Um, Kit, what are your thoughts? You've been listening this entire podcast. Like, what do you think of like, this whole theme of incentives. I mean, well, first I just want to comment on, on, on Gort, how he just, like he says, he just asked the questions and he kind of stirs the pot. <laughs> and it's like, I just feel like if we were all in an open town hall and CT is like just this open space town hall, there's just this voice <laughs> in the back, right? You know, cause, cause Gort is short and you can't really see. And you know, he just, he just shouts up about this question. And everyone's just yeah. like, Oh, that's, Oh yeah, yeah. You know, Let's talk about Gort, that question. You're, you're, you're like Socrates because Socrates just like asked questions. He was just like smelly old dude in the back that like just you know kept on asking questions. He didn't have any answers. He's like, well, how do you know what you know? You know this and that. Like, are you sure? Like, <laughs> and like he'll just like kind of like pick at you and just pick at you and pick at. You. And that's exactly what you do. Like Socrates didn't have the answers. And you know he you know he literally pissed off people so much that the city of Athens was like, oh, you're corrupting the youth, and they forced him to take hem- hemlock. And so, <laughs> but like, yes, um, I am Socrates, Socrates of course. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Sound bite. End the pod there. Yeah. Yes. yeah, like Socrates. Yeah, yeah. But like, and, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the first thing kids. But kid, I cut you off. But yeah, continue. yeah. And then, um, and then once we started kind of getting down to this, um, should we limit like Lido's this? Uh, reach, you know, but that again go against the free market uh, ideology and philosophy. And then you harped on the VC side, and that led me to think the same thing. I was like, well, we shouldn't harp on them either because they're just doing what they were made to yeah. do. And they just happen to do yeah. it really well. And then now, like, it, it kind of leads me back to thinking, like, is this whole crypto thing we're doing just a complete charades of just? Like this is just the, the new casino that we have just chosen to come and play. And now when we feel like the house or, or in this case, there is no house, right? Cause everything is, is kind of open and there's kind of no rules. Like have we just exchanged like our, um, the current casino for, for this new digital one where the rules are literally being made up kind of as, as they go. And then once somebody figures out how to hack it, like how Lido did where they just grew to 30% of the market share. And they're like, well, this is where we are now. We're not going to stop. Like, this is where we find ourselves. So I'm just thinking, is there a way back to this kind of more uh, utopia-like world that crypto was going to promise, you know, democratize access for all and equity for all and da 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 Like, is there I a mean, path back? 
I think like the, that path is not going to be reached in like the current form of DeFi, especially like if you think about it, it's like mostly like people in like the first world developed countries like playing in this casino. Let's be real. I think like that path of, you know, actual like democratic access, access to, you know, financial opportunities that didn't exist because your banking system is fucked up. It's going to come in the developing world. Like, I think the biggest innovations for like, are probably going to come from like, you know, places where like they actually need it. And you actually, and you actually do see that. Um, I think like the biggest, like mind, well, not mind blowing, but it makes sense, but it's kind of like crazy to think about the most, like the highest use stable coin in Iran is USDT on Tron. Like, because that's just the cheapest and fastest thing to use. Um, and so like, it's interesting, like, you know, the developing world, like they like use crypto out of necessity. Like I'm here in Brazil right now and I see like what people are building. Um, and I've seen what people have been building because I've been here like going back and forth for a few years. And they were like, you know, I see them like hopping on trends before anyone else. Like they were building on Binance Smart Chain back in like winter 2020 um, and this and that. And so like, you're more like, I mean, it's definitely not impossible to see payment mm -hmm. solutions to like, or like real world solutions that come out of like the, you know, first world, but like they're very first worldy. They're like, oh, like, let's put like treasury yield bonds on chain, like this and that, blah, blah, blah. They're not like really like thing that does like the average person can access. And the reason for that, it's like not very profitable to like make things for consumers unless it's done at a massive scale. And so like, it's going to have to be like, you know, it's going to. It will probably, it's like, it's kind of like the same of when the Europe used to be a backwater in like 1500s, 1600s, then they had navigation and they were like forced to like, just go out and just like trade. And then and that's how they, all these European powers like built their own wealth. It's kind of like the same thing. Like, you know, these countries, like they don't have like, you know, trade like routes being blocked by the Ottoman empire, this and that, but they do have like, you know, their internal banking systems are just absolute like trash. And so they have like these new ones come about, whether they're like, decentralized rails on like you know ethereum or like other or like all all ones or even like binance binance is the banking layer for a ton of countries mm -hmm. in africa in the developing world and i feel like the one thing ethereum people discount is like the reach of centralized actors in the developing world and how much they're getting it right and ethereum is just not getting it right now because it's just too expensive to use and even with l2s coming online i still hear stories of like you know i've like paid people before um in developing countries to do like certain jobs, this and that. And I said like, oh, like, can I send you like some stuff, like some stable coins on optimism? And they're like, what's optimism? Like, can you send it to me on Avalanche or BNB? And I'm just like thinking to myself, like, well, like, like, like I, it make it's like, damn, like, are, it's like what you're saying. Like, are we like actually like doing our job of like trying to, if we want, if our job is to like open access and equal access to all, are we doing it? Like, no, it's like, it's like it's like you, you see these like incentives yeah. mislocked. I don't know. That's you're messing rant, around with with restaking and re re restaking and re 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 restaking. Yeah, we're, 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 we're like restaking. We're restaking to the eighth power over here. But these are like important questions, and I thought of it, this as well. I know that was like a long winded rant, but no, nah, um, Dave, that that was good. Gore, I actually wanted to ask you about like what are your thoughts on the stablecoin landscape of how the largest stablecoins are essentially centralized parties. Do you think that's also, you know, free market doing its thing and that we're never, ever going to see a decentralized stablecoin and we always need this kind of fiat off ramp that can just never be overcome? Yeah, I'll give like uh, sort of a Bitcoiner answer here and tell you that like my 
I I find like the separation of money and state to be like one of the most uh, at least ideologically one of the most kind of empowering concepts. So I'm personally like a bit um, I don't know. I think that crypto has really changed in a sense and you know not I'm not suggesting for bad or worse but I think there's been a big push um, for stable coins. I've seen this actually very recently with Ethereum uh, members of like the Ethereum Foundation pushing for well what they what they say decentralized stable coins and you know like to your question I think the fact of the matter is like the market wants centralized stable coins so like the market has been given centralized stable coins um, not dissimilar to the market having wanted Ponzi's and so the market getting Ponzi's and then market wanting bigger Ponzi's so the market got bigger Ponzi's and then like all of a sudden we as crypto people are like well no there's value in there like Ooh, we've, like this is an, this is an emerging technology like there we we found like the value and I'm like well like you just built a lot of Ponzi's and I think it's like yeah it's a bit presumptuous to assume that there's like a lot of value in there when what the market wanted was Ponzi's and so I think this is like a this is largely like what you were saying. I mean, this is a, a construct of what people demand. And I'm, I don't have like very good uh, feelings about that. And like, that was kind of back to my Bitcoin maxi laser eye point, which is like, I still find like the separation of, of money from state to be like a very profound concept at least. Right. Like, I don't know about hyper Bitcoinization, like, I have some like thoughts about that and and but um the thing is I don't think that creating like a bearer asset token of fiat currency uh is the vision and I would especially say that centralized stable coins are um they they also kind of I think have similar network effects with 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 staking derivatives whereby um you know they can really kind of generate escape velocity and everybody will be using centralized stable coins and you know i have mm -hmm. yeah i have a lot of reservations i think about ethereum being very centralized stable coin based uh, i you know i but w once again now i have to kind of like <laughs> bring myself back to reality and realize that, you know, my ideological stance isn't necessarily what the market cares about. And, you know, it depends on like what we're really engineering for here. And like, if we're going to build the rails for essentially a centralized stable coin transmission network, then so be it. But um, yeah, I think that, you know, circle, especially, especially with Ethereum, I would say that circle has uh well, I would consider it to be sort of privileged actor status. And I'm, uh, yeah, I don't think mm -hmm. it's so like, I don't think it's really great for like the, <laughs> the long-term vision, but well, my long-term vision isn't really that important, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think you bring up 
a great point here with, uh, you know, like the market gives what people want. If the market wants centralized stable coins, you got centralized stable coins. If the market wants Ponzi's, you got Ponzi's. If the market wants Beanie Babies, you got Beanie Babies. <laughs> like, and I think like we go like back to the Beanie Babies and now we understand like mm-hmm. what you mean. Like, the you know, the market is always right. It's always just like a temperature check on like this collective psychology of like people's desires, uh, whether no matter how irrational they may be. But Dave, is there a point where the market chooses to better improve itself? Because if we were just to engage in this, you know, degeneracy and debauchery all the time, then we would never really advance yeah. forward. But I that's think, really not yeah, true. Yeah, We've I advanced think it, very far. Yeah, I think it comes to a point of self-policing and self-regulation of saying like, well, let's like hold the brakes here. And like, let's, you know, let's like think about things like whether it's, you know, with BTC miners, like deciding to like re, you know, give up like their 51% hash rate or the way that Ethereum decided to go proof of stake and try to like make it as decentralized as possible. But I say like as possible because, you know, I think US like stable coins were an unintended, centralized stable coins were an unintended consequence of, you know, of like what the market wanted. It's just like, oh, yeah, like, you know, because Tether started as Omnichain, you know, it started as, you know, Omnichain on Bitcoin. And then it just made more sense to put it, you know, like, oh, like you do it a lot faster on, you know, ERC-20 and Tether. So the stable coin of centralized exchanges to this day, USTC found their use case being like the on-off ramp of DeFi. And it still is to this day. And I think with like dollar peg stable coins, like if you're going to be like a dollar peg stable coin or like any fiat peg stable coin, you're always going to be like pegged to the world, to the real world somehow, if you want to scale. You can go like the LEOC route or Riot route, but like they don't, those don't like scale in the same way that, you know, Frax or DAI or like the centralized stable coins do because they chose that design choice for like the super decentralization maxis, which is fine, which is like, you know, yeah, that's the like, market no- deciding that it wants that. Not a single person like has any idea what Rai does. Like, I've read about Rai like probably ten times now, and I can't like I could not articulate how this basket of goods is derived. But that's not to say anything. Like, it was probably just lost on me. But mm-hmm. yeah, like to your point, like um, I got on. It's funny. Like I got on uh, the Rai website the other day, and it was like it was it was like two dollars and twenty seven cents, and I was like. <laughs> what <laughs> like what what is this to? you know like um and i also saw some sort of like interesting discussions about vitalik had like um collateralized his eth with rye and there's some like sneaky trick i think with with rye that some I, weird I'm trick not sure what it, i think i don't know like you know i'm really just kind of spreading misinformation right now as is my prerogative but um I, I, I'm not, so, I'm not so sure, but yeah, I know to your point, like, I don't like, I don't think that, I don't think right now, at least the world wants rye, you know? Uh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's also funny because I've, now I've come to kind of the thesis that like, you know, dollar peg stable coins are like, you know, if they want to scale, they have to attach to the real world somehow. That's why Frax is pursuing like their Fed master account. But if you want like a decentralized stable coin, like probably the closest thing we have that like, like the closest thing we have to a medium of exchange that's a decentralized cryptocurrency right now is ETH. Um, ETH, whether, you know, 
I see that being the decentralized stablecoin right now. But you can also like, I'm not really up to date with the Bitcoin community, although I've been around a few Bitcoiners here in Brazil. And it seems like the Lightning Network is taking up a little bit. So like maybe that becomes like a decentralized, like more decentralized payments. But I only see these things becoming like a medium of exchange if they stop being so volatile and they like finally like, you know, we have our cycles and maybe we have like one or two more cycles left in us. But like after those like one or two more cycles, then it's like those things like kind of like reach an equilibrium and they kind of reach their, you know, their spread and like they're, they kind of just slowly grow. And who knows, maybe BTC becomes, you know, keep what gold is for central banks and be, you know, banks, central banks and countries just hold BTC. Hell, maybe like ETH is put on balance sheets because companies need to pay for gas. So it's used, it's put for operational costs. Like this is how like, you know, these cryptocurrencies reach like the end game per se. But like, you know, and at that point, like we'll see, I, I don't know if I'll ever see like people like paying for like coffee with ETH or BTC, but you're probably gonna see like large institutional actors or countries like move around making large purchases, whether it's for commodities or whether it's for services with these decentralized currencies, especially with the US and how it's been acting on the world stage and like, you know, kind of like military, like using like the whole SWIFT system and the dollar system to like bully other countries around per se. And rent. Yeah, I would. I would. Yeah, I would agree. I with think all that. you guys are are, are correct. Um, <laughs> same, same. Because then, like, if I was just thinking about the mo- one most ludicrous thing that happened this Ponzi was like all the own forks. If the own forks. Were, if somebody were to drop an own fork right now, all three of us would be like, "Yo, that is so tone deaf." Like, did you just did you just not see what had happened? Like, bro, it's not twenty twenty one. Yeah. Right. Right. So you know the the market clearly wanted own forks at one point in time. Right. Actually, they wanted it so much they <laughs> nine nine, right? And then now, fast forward, if you were to do something like that now, completely tone deaf. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I guess you're right that the market does kind of police itself over time. Um, yeah, it does. Yeah, and like at the end of the day, I think um, Vitalik, you made a great point on Bankless. I watched one of his like one of his latest Bankless interviews. He talks about like with crypto adoption, like whether it's going to look like the language Esperanto, whether it's going to look like you know, Linux, or it's going to look like the internet, like Esperanto, no adoption, Linux, like only people that are technically advanced use it. And then the internet, everybody uses it. And we're definitely not at Esperanto, but like, it's still a question of if we're like crypto, like DeFi is going to be like Linux or if DeFi is going to be like, you know, the internet. And I feel like it, the only way for it to get to the internet, if there's like actual adoption and like, you know, and like people don't even notice that they're using it. And like, will we get to that point? I don't know. Like what? Like what are your what's your take on like? Do you see actual adoption happening? You know, within like five ten years, or do you think we're like in this like casino purgatory? I I do think some of the primitives that have come out of this most recent cycle um, have real application, and I, actually. Unfortunately, I think, well, I say unfortunately, I suppose this depends on how you view this, but like I do think stable coins are a very obvious use case. Um, it's not, you know, it's not the use case I want, but maybe it's the use case we need. And so it is what it is. Um, I, you know, 
I kind of started by saying that like I'm very optimistic, but I'm not sure about what. And I do view smart contract functionality, however you want to interpret that, as being uh, there is some real innovation there. Like and and as someone who is typically maybe cynical about like the level of innovation. Um, I think there is something there for sure. And, you know, I, I don't know what yet. And I think that kind of goes to what I was saying before to the extent that like, you know, most DeFi was used to do more DeFi. And right now it's not like so immediately clear to me how we translate this. Um, but I think, I think it's there. Like, and, you know, some some of some of these primitives, I think, um, you know, like for example, like I'm not like sold. Actually, uh, I should rephrase this. I'm very much not sold on like the the concept of pooling two tokens together and that being like a rational way to trade in markets. Like I think that. Um, I don't know that like the current setup of AMMs is like a fundamentally sustainable model. Uh, I think that like DEXs in general, like I don't know if they, you know, I'm really not like uh, was never much of a trader or somebody who knew how to really analyze these systems and know whether I was getting a good price or sandwiched or, you know, front run. But um, mm-hmm. like, I, I, I think that, you know, I, I don't see why we couldn't, you know, build, uh, very low friction exchanges on on blockchains, um, and I think there is some like credible argument that like you know finality and you know permissionlessness uh, these are like there is value here. I think you know most of what I have seen is sort of okay, guys. Like let's tone it down. Like there's there's some you know there's something here, but like you know how this kind of uh, proliferates isn't isn't so obvious to me yet, but. You know, they're like the fact of the matter is like mm-hmm. there is, you know, we talk about VCs like there is so very much money in this space at this point that it's like like something's going to come out of it. Like, you know, like it like it's almost, <laughs> yeah. it's almost too big to fail in the sense that like there's a lot of funding and I think there are some like, you know, I think Lynn Alden said this one time. Now I'm really exposing myself as like. A Bitcoiner, but I think she said like you know a lot of DeFi is kind of like incremental, <laughs> incremental improvements to the tech stack, and I think that like that's a reasonable take. Like you know, like this seems like very logical to me. Now, with that said, you know it, it and I'll kind of, I'll kind of end at this, at least this kind of point. Like this is dependent on whether mainstream adoption values. Uh, you know, the, the, the ethos that we do, like, you know, and I, I don't know that I could convince my mom mm. to use something that she can't like reverse if she gets scammed, you know, like, it's not like, you know, we're still at the point where it, most of these ideas are like pretty obscure. And I think we, you know, I think we have to be mm-hmm. very realistic that like most DeFi protocols are, are like, are used by like a thousand people a day. You know what I mean? Like it, as much you, if, if you only hung out on, yeah, if you only hung out on crypto Twitter, like you would feel like the world runs on crypto rails, you know? 
And the reality is like <laughs> the world does not run on crypto rails. And there's good reason for that. Like I know this is sort of an off uh, brought up point, but like the UX and UI is still like very, very confusing, you know, and, and I, I still have problems. And yeah, granted, I'm not like the most, I'm not the most savvy chain user, but I'm like, you know, I've used MetaMask a fair number of times and it's like, it's not intuitive, you know, and like, it, it's kind of a lame um you know, point to make because everybody says that like wallets or, you know, that that's what's going to bring mainstream adoption. But like, I, I do think at least, you know, maybe we're not going to get the next billion users, but like maybe the next uh, 50 million are going to want a wallet that's better. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. That's like a common theme. It's like, oh, like, yeah, wallets are going to be like the thing of next cycle, you know, this and that. But yeah, um, I feel like this is a good place to end it. Uh, Kit, cool. I think we go into the lightning round. Round Gwart, this has been awesome. Like, I've really enjoyed listening and just like, I feel like I've just been like very meditative. Like, I was just like out in the Greek town square, just like <laughs> I'm listening Socrates. to your concerns. Mm -hmm. You're so you're Gwartetes. Actually, no, I yeah. just completely got that. Soccer Gwart. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think. We'll work on that. We'll workshop yeah, the name. Yeah, we're going to. Yeah. Yeah. The Socrates. All right. Anyways, um, yeah, let's get to this lightning round. Kit, go ahead. Yeah. So, Gort, normally we kind of end the pod with a series of questions just to kind of get you know you better as like a human, you know. So uh, the first question is, what was the f when was the first time you touched the chain and sexes don't count? What was your virgin crypto experience? Um, it had to be in, yeah, late 2020. Um, and I think it was Ethereum. Yeah, because prior to that, like 2017, 2018, I think I was exclusively on like Coinbase or um, yeah, some like janky like Stellar Lumens wallet or something of that sort back when uh, I was degening. De Got it. Okay. And then second question is, what is your favorite off-chain touch grass activity? What are some of your hobbies and interests? Um, I, I play a good bit of golf. Uh, yeah, um, like I would say that would be like, a a recreational activity in which I engage. I'm a golfer, <laughs> not very good, but you know, I like to go out and swing the sticks. <laughs> All right, Gort, what's some advice you'd give to your younger self? Well, I think like most everyone must, it can't must be by like, but you can't beat buy Bitcoin. Okay, no, I know what you're going to say. No, 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 don't say it. Don't, don't do say it. it. Don't, don't do it. it. No, no, I was about to say okay, okay. You can't do that one. Um, I, well, you know, I think I have gotten like more even keeled as I've gone, you know, through my crypto journey. But I think I could have told myself even earlier on to like, um, you know, sleep on it. Like if, if you're feeling like you're going to FOMO into something, uh, like maybe sleep on it and and that maybe isn't like the most common advice given like you know crypto prices can really surge but um yeah i've definitely done my fair share of just max aping into something because everyone was doing it and like not even thinking about whether it was i mean not thinking about whether it was valuable obviously like but even thinking if it was like a good meme like it, it could have been a bad meme and mm. it's just max ape because you see a few yeah. things so i think like taking a bit of time and 
like you don't have to invest on a thesis like this is going to change the world you know what i mean like you don't have to be like a vc who's who's all about theses and whatnot you can you can play the meme game but even the meme game requires a bit of uh a bit of thought yeah or maybe no thought at all maybe just like left curve it like oh this is true yeah And then the, the last question to kind of sign us out here is if you weren't working in, in crypto and what would your full-time career path be like right now? Uh, I was playing poker like, yeah, I guess during COVID, like basically full-time. Um, and I have done a bit of like real estate investment on the side. But I don't think I would have like a very structured career. It's Gort doesn't like to be chained, you know. I like to be able to kind of do uh, <laughs> do whatever Gort I want. Gort is a free so, spirit. Yeah, Gort yeah, did. that's precisely how I should be. Uh, <laughs> you know who else was a free spirit? Socrates. That dude was just <laughs> he was. was. Right. Spot around. On. He was. Yeah, spot on. And on that note, Gort, it's been fun. It's been enlightening and it's been great having you on. Thanks for coming Okay. and hope to see you soon. Yeah, thank you guys. It was fun. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Yeah, man. Thanks. Thank you everyone for watching this episode of Flywheel with Quart. And if you want to really get into this episode, make sure you check out our Substack below. We have a whole article written with every little detail of maybe even some things you missed. So make sure you check that out. And also, don't forget to watch our post game with me, Kit, and Sam, breaking down what happened this episode. We really get into it. And we've been really getting to our Substack over the past few weeks. Kit, can you talk about that? A bit? Yeah. So we have content lined up pretty much every single day for you. And like Dave said, we have you know written down what we talked about in the Gore pod. So we basically took notes for you guys as well. So go there and take a look at that. And the post game show. Hey, yeah. listen to this. Yeah, listen to this. We got Frax in review for the week. We got Frax check. We got the whole pod review. We have assortment of articles. We have money moves. We have it all. It's all in our Substack. So make sure you subscribe to that. Don't miss out on what we have to say. And if you don't want to miss an episode of Flywheel, make sure you subscribe. Leave us a comment. Give us a like. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at FlywheelFi. Join our discussion on Telegram at FlywheelFi. You can follow me on Twitter at DeFiDaves. Follow me at 0x capital underscore K. And check out the post game. Everything said on this episode is not financial or tax advice. This channel is strictly for educational purposes and it's not in investment advice or solicitation to buy or sell any assets or to make any financial decisions. This video is not tax advice whatsoever. Please talk to your accountant and do your own research.